Uh, I have to say, I'm really happy to see you here because um, I have given this talk about a hundred times <laughs> in my head to myself. And it's such a relief to be able to say it out loud, um, but I'm not sure which version you're going to get. I have it, I have it, but I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm, I'm not all that familiar with the script today, but um, it's something I very much want to talk to you about because I've been, um, it's, it's been such a big part of my practice for the last couple of years and just a really quiet, almost not noticing part of my practice. And yet the thing that I find I look forward to most every week. Um, so um, we're well aware that uh, it's been almost two years uh, since the uh, invasion of Ukraine. And uh, um, you know, we can, I just, I, it, it was such, um, I mean, there's so much of that in the world now, everywhere we look, it's like there are masses of people leaving home, living in tents, moving, moving, moving. And um, there was something about that particular time when um, you know, overnight uh, there were these images of uh, mothers and children and and children with their stuffed animals and and saying goodbye to their fathers and husbands who they didn't know if and when that it, they would ever see again. And uh, I anyway felt this, uh, you know, how could this be? And, and this utter self of sense of helplessness. And um, I had known, I do know one Ukrainian man in my life. Uh, he comes every summer, has been for years and years. Um, started when he was very young. I think he's 30 now, Alec at the farmer's market. So I, this is my only acquaintance with um, Ukraine. Um, and then these, these images of uh, life in Ukraine, uh, you know, that just seem yeah. You know, people 
in coffee shops, people having coffee in coffee shops and scarves tied in knots and the puffy jackets, just like we have puffy jackets and and uh, banks, banks of flowers on street corners, which is a particular love of mine. And, and then um, the old, the old people carrying a box of their belongings, and nobody, you know, going who knows where just to get away from the bombing, and people refusing to leave, and one other particular image of a, an elderly woman, old, she was just old, um, and she refused to leave her apartment, and it was completely bombed out, and uh, she had cleaned up glass and dust and had sort of fashioned a kitchen table without, you know, heat, without running water, not knowing where food was coming from and on the table. She had a jar with a single purple flower in it. And that has so much stayed with me. And then, of course, we heard about the you know, the torture and the um, massive graves and, uh, you know, just the reality that Simone Wheel says that all war takes place far from hotbed. And when um, this summer, um, Alec couldn't be here last summer, he couldn't get in, he couldn't get out. So he returned this summer and um, she's so surprised to see why you're here. Um, and the only appropriate thing to say seemed to be, I'm so sorry. And, and he said, thank you. And then we went on to fruits and vegetables. So, um, what, uh, what I fell into through a friend who lives in Philadelphia is um, was the opportunity to sit with a Zen priest, a Ukrainian Zen priest in Odessa. Um, it was through it is through Tree Leaf, a website that exists as far as I understand for people who you know that's their only place to sit 
And I've never gotten clear what the connection is exactly, but he had a friend there or he reached out to them, something happened. And I found out that every Sunday um, we would have the opportunity to sit with him in, in Odessa. And um, that just seemed like the, uh, you know, that was, that was just the thing to do. I just wanted to be there. And um, so I did that not knowing what, what to do. It's sort of like coming here for the first time where you feel a little awkward and like, what's, what's the code? What do you, what do you do? And, um, so it, it's a zoom, it's a zoom screen like this, all the, all the little boxes. And, um, so I just showed up and then at eight o'clock, um, the one on the screen that was washing said good morning and thanked us for being there to sit for peace to join him in sitting for peace. And he explained that we would uh, begin with the Heart Sutra. And uh, each week it would either be in uh, Russian or Ukrainian or English alternatingly. And uh, we would sit for 40 minutes and it would be followed by um, the verse of atonement said three times. Uh, so he, um, you know, had the, the bells and the Lukukio, and he took us through the, uh, the Heart Sutra, and then at the end, he would, you know, this is so great, he, he had this, this zazen. <laughs> we all go into 40 minutes of zazen. And then he rings the bell and uh, the verse of atonement. And what I have known noticed over time gradually is that there's no it's silence. There's no talking. We don't chat. How's it going? What's happening? How are you doing? There is none of that. There is none of that. There was one time early on that he said, we heard a lot of sirens and explosions this week. And then no more of that. No more. And at the end, he thanks us. Uh, we're sitting that we remember the the children in all wars all around the world, and he wishes us a good Sunday. And then uh, he he bows again, and then at some point, um, you know, we wave and and. At some point, he started giving the heart symbol, and and then at some point, he started giving thumbs up. And uh, 
then I notice myself at some point that um, I'm sitting before my screen and I'm, I'm uh, giving the heart symbol and I'm giving the thumbs up. And that we have the group of us and you know how soon you can't even see the faces. You don't really know who's there, but that we have this bond in Zazen and in silence and in real love among these strangers who are practicing for um, peace in the world in the 10 directions. And um, coincidentally, I guess, uh, Last week, I don't know what it was about last week. I should find my place in my... Um, yeah, last week he spoke. I also want to say that it was about this time, you know, it was when winter came last year. Um, you know, my ear is really tuned. I have stayed with the news about Ukraine. It's as though this has drawn me in, um, appreciating particularly the letter from Ukraine that appears or has appeared um, from um Masha Geshem, the, the who embedded themselves early on and gave us reports of what it was really like um, um, among various various as soldiers, um, families, um, and I would listen to for news about particularly Odessa, and uh, last winter, Odessa was among the vast portions of uh, Ukraine that lost, the, you know, the electrical grid was demolished. And so there was no heat and heat. And Washington did disappear for five weeks. We didn't, we didn't hear um, and didn't know. And we, we continued to show up and we sat. And then he appeared. And um, he, at first he was in a different background. His, it's usually um, a, a, a room, uh, with uh, the corner of a room with green walls and you know, calligraphy behind him and very calm and simple. And he was in a different background, you know, just concrete and and then for a while he was outdoors and um and now he has been for some time back in his uh the 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 place we're familiar with and um so last week he spoke and it was so uncommon you could almost you could feel the whole zen, zen screen going forward like what mm -hmm. 
And he said, uh, they say that Zazen is good for nothing. And he said, sitting here with you is everything. And, you know, we, it's just, uh, it was a moment. It was a moment. So I have thought about that, and it occurs to me that uh, his, that, that Washin made what now seems to me a deliberate decision to not talk about what's going on, to not give us the news, um, because it's not, you know, we are doing zazen together, and it is not just about Washin, certainly it's not about Ukraine, it's about zazen is beyond I mean, it's it's here and it's beyond. And uh, we know, we've heard so many times, haven't we? Um, Zazen is good for nothing, suggesting to us that it is um, without our ego attachment. We're not trying to get something. We are already enlightened. Our practice affirms that. We sit on the cushion um, as in the center of timelessness, Katagiri says, in the center of timelessness, placing ourselves at the center of timelessness and and um, allowing and offering and allowing. I think that's Suzuki offering and allowing whatever whatever rises. So, um, over the past six months or so, um, I have been, um, do we have a clock? Do I have any? What time is it? Um, it's, uh, okay. All right. I'm almost finished. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been studying. I don't think that's too strong a word. I've been studying. I've been um, uh, Dogen's fascicle on continuous practice. And um, it's two volumes. It's the longest of his fascicles. Um, I have not read it all. I've read. I've um, 
I've read parts. It's 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 Dogen. <laughs> it's like what is this? Um, and I've also listened to many many commentary, read commentaries, and listened to many talks that have been um, really helpful. But mostly, I've been living with it or what I look what I've absorbed from it as a coma. Um, not even really aware of it. I just, it's just been with me. And, um, and I started to realize that the themes that I, anyway, that were catching me, that were absorbing me, um, seem to have great relationship to my sitting on Sunday um, with Washin and the others. Um, and that these themes, the themes of the fascicle really applied. And, and it, it's like, it's not, it's, it's like all Zen teacher, all Zen um, teachings, um, conflate into continuous practice. There really, in a sense, isn't anything new there. It's stuff we hear all the time. And um, and I've also been reading about 10 minutes of Katagiri every morning and and I started to realize he really talks about nothing else but continuous practice and never using the never using the term the phrase um and i really thought i would talk a, more about that today and every time <laughs> every time i sort of tried to get that together i got so far into the weeds that i just thought i can't do this so i um I, I it it does seem to me that um, it really comes down to two two aspects, continue two aspects of continuous practice that um, I'll try to say a little bit more about today, and it's why I chose these two readings on the program. Um, Although how I envisioned it was in reverse. I had the, the other one on top. So for those of you online who don't have the program, I don't think, um, I'll, I'll read these two quotes. So the first one is from Continuous Practice and it's, um, it's Dogen himself. Your continuous practice creates the circle of the way. By this practice, Buddha ancestors abide as Buddha. Don't abide as Buddha. Have Buddha mind. Become Buddha over and over and on and on, and it is never cut off. And all of this depends on us and our continuous practice of the present. 
And then um, I stumbled upon this the, the, the next quotation from Uchiyama Roshi um, that seemed to me to be saying the same thing a little more directly. When I take care of my own life, I take care of the world as my own life. I do this moment by moment, and in each situation, I enable the flower of my life to bloom, working solely that the light of Buddha may shine. So, what I have come to appreciate in the sitting with Washin is that our practice, good for nothing as it is, really matters. It really matters. And It matters um, in the sense that we sit and we offer and allow, and we it is a practice of letting go of the ego, the self-centeredness out of which we know so well creates all the suffering ours and everyone's and that we are deeply interconnected we are buddha nature so how could it be anything else that what we do affects everyone all the time and this sitting on the cushion that is our practice as Dogen says, is the one true refuge. The one true refuge. And it doesn't mean that everybody should be sitting zazen. Very few people sit zazen. Very few people ever have sit zazen. And very few people ever will sit zazen, probably. So it, it's more than that. It's the true place of refuge because we are all on the circle of the way. It, we, we are all on the circle of the way. And that's just not us practicing. That's everybody. Because continuous practice is the core of life. It's life. It's living. And how many term, times have we heard that? That our practice is living our life. It's living, just living our life. So, um,
you know, it wasn't, well, it was a few years ago and sitting, um, that I realized that all of the conflict in Israel and Palestine is in me. And I realized that Putin is in me. The same fears, the same comparisons, the same desires, the same ambitions, sometimes the same hate. It's all in me and it shows me that we are all on the circle of the way, all of us. All of us are practicing all the time, not just us Buddhists, all of us, all of us who are, who have life. We're practicing with the mountains and the stars. And the difference, to the extent that there is a difference, and there seems to be, is that on the circle of the way, bodhicitta has not always yet arisen. Not yet. And we don't know when. And we sit with maybe belief because the practice goes beyond death, that maybe not in our lifetime. But the energy of life that is good, um, I mean, we do know that anytime, we do know that that is what prevails. We do know that. And it may not always appear to that to us in that way. And the other the other thing is that uh, this practice of offering and allowing and letting go of our egos, you know, catching ourselves in the storyline out of which all suffering seems to bubble and coming back. that this takes place off the cushion as well. And how I resisted that in the beginning, I heard that. I'd heard, I'd, I'd hear that. 
carry your practice into, well, I had my hands full on the cushion, never mind off the cushion. Um, but when you practice, when you sit, you can't help it. Eventually, it just, you start, it, it, it's, um, it's in you. And I started to notice um, with this koan of continuous practice uh, that the Brahma Maharas came up for me, and particularly the, the one of sympathetic joy, Mudita, which is one I have loved for some time. And um, And I began to see so much good, so much good in the world. And I began to realize that when I am swimming, I love to swim, I swim at lifetime, that when I am swimming, I am swimming with and for the Russians and the Ukrainians. I have in my ancient past spent time at the Russian baths in lower Manhattan, sort of this cave of a place <laughs> down in the basement. And in, in, in decades ago in Budapest, where there is um, a really wonderful uh, Russian bath, um, and these places were brought by you know, Russians when they came, when they when they um, immigrated, um, and and so I have this sense of connection through these baths. And so when I swim, I think of I mean, there they are with me. They are not probably enjoying the Russian baths, and and certainly not in Ukraine now. And uh, I bring them into my swim. I am I am swimming with them and for them in the spirit of continuous practice in the ten directions. And when I I love flowers and I try to have flowers every week, and when I work with my flowers, snipping them, changing the water. Um, I am doing that with Washin and all Ukrainians, all the many millions of people in war, without homes, without knowing when or where they're going to be. And those coffee shops that I saw in the beginning on 
you know, the streets of Kiev, you know, that city that one day looked like our city and the next day overnight. A shambles. So when I have my cup of coffee that I love, at my black wallet that I love, <laughs> you know, these moments of being really here with that coffee, <laughs> appreciation and interconnection with all people who are not having coffee right now. So, um, thank you for being here. And um, it occurred to me this morning that um, I already have my next talk, uh, you know, it's volume two. <laughs> so, thank you. And I guess if you have, um, this is your time. Whatever time, what time do we have? Oh, lots of time. How, how do you like carry the experiences of the people who are going through wars and all of these horrible things without, you know, like allowing that to overwhelm you? How do you like find the balance of, you know, allowing those feelings to be part of your practice and also giving them only so much space like in your mind and in your energy? Well, one of the first attractive things I heard about Zen, and it was before I ever came here or anywhere else uh, to do with Zen, but I heard um, in Zen, we go toward the suffering. And that so appealed to me. Um, always seem to run from, avoid, get away from, make better, change. Um, and so this notion of going toward the suffering and the intimacy, the intimacy of suffering. And suffering is where we connect, at least in my experience. And there's a difference between you know, two hours of CNN a night. Mm -hmm. That is, that it, that separates me from the suffering. So it's not that. It is, um, that's why when the opportunity to sit with Washin came up, it was just so perfect for me. 
you know, I could go toward the suffering and actually join um, without being overwhelmed. In the beginning, it's it, it was overwhelming. It's overwhelming. We turn on the television every day. It's overwhelming. Um, and it's not all there is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. How do we, as any practitioner, with the people that are doing this, how are they being useful? I'm sorry, I'm not quite hearing that. How do we, as any practitioner, engage with people who are perpetuating this suffering or who are continuing? Uh, these words. Well, they're they're human beings, just like I'm a human being. Their causes and conditions led them to where they are. My causes and conditions lead me to where I am. That doesn't justify it or even explain it. But I'm serious when I say there are times in my city when I see all of the conflict in me. It's, it's, it's like an expanded version of my fear, my jealousies, my comparisons, all the, you know, it, it's human nature and it's always been and I have learned in my practice to sit with, you know, I'm not just sitting with me. That's, I'm sitting, I'm sitting, that's why I love that phrase. I sit, I place myself at the center of timelessness. And I offer and I allow, and I notice that I also appreciate and they are there. I'm sitting for and with Putin. Okay, I I didn't intend to talk about football. But I wondered if I would get through this without talking about football. <laughs> Somehow, um, Caddy Gary gives it, it has this metaphor, and he uses basketball, but I just change it to football because I'm about football. And 
you know, at the at the level of NF, of NFL, there are, you know, all everybody's talented. Uh, everybody practices. Everybody wants to win. Uh, it, it's sort of we're we're all equal before the absolute. You know, Putin and I are equal before the absolute. All the NFL players are equal before the absolute. And they they practice and they you know, have their game plans and they you know give everything to it and they don't know what's going to happen, realizing that in the with all this equality, anything can and what are they hoping for? Category says they're hoping for this change in the structure of time and space. <laughs> and that's who wins. <laughs> so I sit with you know, an effect, a tiny effect on the structure of time and space where bodhicitta, who knows where bodhicitta will pop up. Bodhicitta being the desire to see who we really are, who our interbeing, our dependence on each other. And out of that, the irrepressible love. That is a long answer. <laughs> this is all from an earlier version. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, from a quote, when I, when I take care of my own life, I take care of the world as my own life. My question is, how do I take care of my own life without getting caught up in the story of my ego? Well, you will get caught, won't you? <laughs> Who doesn't? I do all the time. <laughs> I spent the whole sit giving this talk two more times. <laughs> because what are you going to think of me? It's So you just return, right? You know, it's like when uh, the most practical I can get on this is when, uh, let's say I'm having a conflict with my sister and I have a long history there. So I have a well-developed storyline. So it's mostly about her. <laughs> and it gets me into trouble every single time. And now in my old age and a little bit of practice, it occurs to me at a certain point, oh, look, I am caught up in that storyline that I don't know is true or false or, you know, it's a total fiction. It's a total fiction and I can come back. That fix it. <laughs> I don't think there are any rights or wrongs here. 
Christopher Tucker. Hello. It's nice to meet you. Um, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Uh, I guess we've missed each other due to my discontinuous practice. But um, it kind of struck me how you came to this with the intention of going towards suffering, which is something that took me a long time to figure out. Um, I was wondering if you could maybe speak to that a little bit. Going toward, saying more about going toward the suffering? I'm sorry, she's not hearing me. Um, I know for myself and, and for a lot of other people, we get drawn to this practice out of uh, a desire to escape suffering. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm just different that way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just never had any hope of that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But uh, truly, uh, when I first heard that, not knowing, you know how we hear all this stuff and it never really makes any sense. I mean, Zen stuff just doesn't really add up in the English language. And, um, but there is a, every once in a while we hear these things and it just has a resonance. And so I, there was a resonance in that. Uh, and maybe, and I think maybe I already said that it was a relief. Um, to not run from my sorry self. Um, you know, and then right away we learn to be with the suffering. When we sit on the cushion, just that permission to be with whatever is. With all beings. And doesn't get much better than that. Thank you. Lucian. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. I, I didn't really have much to add, but I wanted to thank you for this Dharma talk. I really enjoyed it. And um, it's funny that you mentioned bodhicitta because I gave myself a word for a day to focus on. And what I chose before the service was bodhicitta. So it just really resonated to me that you spoke on that. And I wanted to thank you. It really inspired me. So thank you for your time. Thanks, Lucian. Okay. Uh, oh, no, no more hands here. Oh, hand. I also appreciate you publicly for being able to talk about your practice in a way that is both vulnerable and sincere. And I think it gives, it models leadership to all of us. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. Um, 
I, I was, I don't know if impressed is the right word, not impressed the way like our school kids are impressed with each other, but impressed the way that like um, a notary stamped that thing, impressed. Like I was impressed when you, the way you expressed an ability to um, recognize you are no different than um, you know, to, to have to name someone you know and you can call him who you but you could you could choose any hundreds of names from three right but to, to recognize that you are equally capable of any of those things and that you didn't bother label, labeling the behaviors as good or bad. They were just circumstances. Really resonated as, as this like unconditional compulsion that, that nothing had to be real other than their humanness for you to relate to them because of their humanness. And I guess I wish I was better at that myself. You know, like I wish I had better balance between the boundaries in my brain and the empathy in my heart. I feel like I'm almost leaning too far in one direction or the other, and that it never seems to be the right direction. Well, that is just a teaching. To me, I mean, that's, that's a teaching I received in my Zen practice uh, and a truth that I, um, another one of those immediate truths that I didn't understand, but I knew, it, uh, I absorbed that, I mean, how could we, uh, I've already said, I don't mean to repeat myself, but that we are all Buddha nature. We are Buddha nature. And that we are all zero before that absolute. So that just, you know, not that we, yeah, that, yeah. And that's just, I just, I it just, I just love that. I believe it. I forget it. Alejandro. Hello. Um, thank you for bringing me back to a uh, place that I was many years ago. That was when I learned that all of us, we have the potential of becoming Mother Teresa or Gaddafi is within us. And, and, and can I talk, reflect some of that too? Uh, one of the beautiful things about the practice, the continuous practice of our lives and that circle that is kind of what the Zen is represented by. Um, is to know how conscious I can be of making that daily choice when I wake up. And my actions, if they're going to be resembling, not good or bad, but the choices that I have with me, because I have that potential to be Mother Teresa with that. And you kind of put a little cherry in that pie. So let me take that. And I see you again. Thank you. Thank you.